Glory. I'm starting a brand new series this morning called Last Days Church. How many of you believe we are living in the last days? We are living in the last days. We're living in the last of the last days. So how do we prepare and what is coming? You want to know? All right. This is going to be awesome. I want to do a series and, and it starts today called Last Days Church. We have been given the great joy of living in this day, whether you like it or not. You're here. We are the generation that I believe will see the Lord Jesus Christ return to this earth. Um, and having said that, I think it's time that we took, we, we, we went to what Jesus said. Go to Matthew 24 and let's start studying what he said about the last days. Now, let's, let's, let's reiterate some stuff before I get started. Is it possible to know when he's coming? Yes and no. Say yes and no. They're both. If you're talking about the day or the hour, no. When you're talking about the season, yes. So God wants you and I. He's, we're not in the dark. We don't need to be walking around. And here's where this began with me. When I first got born again, I met a lady, and she was talking about the rapture of the church, and she looked at me, and she said, it could happen any day now, and inside of my heart, the Spirit of God said, no, no, not so, and I, and I went to the Lord, and I questioned him, and he said, no, you, he, and I said, how will I know when you're coming back? He said, the church will be asking me to come back. He said, it's going to get rough before he returns in the natural. And so I knew right then that we had work to be done. And understand that God, there's people that need to get saved. There's still work to be done. Amen. So we're going to talk about living in the days, but we're going to talk about the signs to look for. You know, when you're going down the interstate, I like the new signs that say 441, four to six minutes, because it tells me where I am. It tells me about how long it's going to take me before I start looking for my exit. And so I believe that along the side of the road in life are signs that say, this is, this is about to happen and this is where you are in life. And I think that if we know the signs, we can start being assured because every generation has said he's coming back. How do we know this one's right? How do we know that's right? Okay. Do I think he'll be back this week? I absolutely do not. Why? There's still certain signs that have not happened yet. Okay. When you're headed to Daytona and you see Sanford, you're not Daytona yet. You don't have to get it. Could be here any second. No, it can't be. It's still further down the road. So signs are good for us. We, we need to learn that Jesus gave us signs so we would know. He don't want you in the dark. The world's in the dark. He doesn't want you in the dark. So are we in the last days? Number one, how shall we live? And when did the last days actually begin? In the book of Acts chapter 2, says that the, the, the 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the dead was referred to as the last days. Now, that would mean we've been in the last days for almost 2,000 years now. So then what are we in now? We're in the last of the last days. We're in a corridor of time. Mary Fran said the baby is in the birth canal. 
And so having said that, all of us realize this. Now, I said that because I want you to be aware of something. I'm doing this whole series for a reason. Now, um, I, I didn't ask Dennis and Elena uh, this, but I hope I don't embarrass you. Elena, how much longer do you have? Four more weeks. I, you know what? I think pregnant women are beautiful. I, I think there's something so precious about a woman walking around with this huge belly. Because she's about to give life, birth to life. I just think it's beautiful to watch a woman pregnant. But, but, I, but I'm going to say this. In three weeks from now, I promise you they're not going on vacation. How many of y'all think that as the time gets closer, that they will start making adjustments in their life? Okay. Well, I'm preaching this because I think it's time you and I started not being, no, we're not going to get afraid, but there's time for you to stand, start making adjustments that you know there are certain things that we're not going to do and things we are going to do, but you need to be aware that the whole culture is going to change. Now, we watched some stuff on the video, and all of those are movies about the end of the days. So let me ask you a question. Is there such a thing as the end of the world? There isn't. Thank you. You see, that's another word. And I said that because don't be embarrassed, Tiff. Tiff, Tiff jumped up. She's fast to jump. But, there's, but see, the world has the idea there's an end of the world. There is no such thing as the end of the world. So what world are you going to be on during the millennial reign? This one. After that, when new heavens come down, what world are you going to be on? This one. This world didn't go anywhere. I know that sounds crazy. Now, let me, let, me, let me just stop you for a minute because I think it's time for you to quit thinking about all the stuff you sang about. Heaven's not your home. It's God's home. You're coming back here. He made the earth for man. So during the millennial reign, you're going to be here, right? You say, well, I thought I had a mansion. Well, you do. He's a good God. That'll be your vacation home, I guess, your summer house. But when we get done up there, we're coming back and we're going to live here for, and rule and reign with Jesus for 1,000 years. We will be known as the glorified ones by the people that are living on the earth. You'll have a new body and you will not live, walk, talk, and act like everybody else on the planet. Isn't that awesome? All right. After, after the millennial reign, new heavens and new earth. And that doesn't mean new. He does not, he's not making a new heaven. He's talking about the, the stellar heavens, not heaven. The stellar heavens and a brand new earth. He's going to renovate this one and start over. It's going to look like Disney World on steroids everywhere. So heaven, the earth is going to be God's first intention and where he wanted Adam to, to duplicate heaven here. And you're going to live here. All right. So there is no such thing as the end of the world. But there is an end of the age. That means the age we're living in will stop being the way it is. So we're going to get into this subject and we're going to get into it deep. God is not going to allow the earth to go on the way it's going now forever. He is going to have a day where he says, that's all that there's going to be of that mess. 
and there will be a day of wrath and you will not be here. And I'm going to show you that in the Bible. The, I don't know about pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, but we're going up before wrath falls. And the pictures you saw, you don't want to be here. Because there's an earthquake in the Bible that shakes every square inch of this planet. Everything will shake. North Pole, South Pole, South America, Jerusalem, India, Africa, Guatemala, Cuba. I don't care where you are, there's going to be an earthquake. So some of what they're seeing is right, but I don't care, you know, um, if, you, if you lived during Noah's day, a canoe wouldn't help you, and your AR is not going to help you during that time. You're going to need Jesus. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. All right. So Jesus, so the disciples came to him, unless we're going to read Matthew 24, 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and the disciples came to show up, to, to show him the buildings of the temple. There was a temple, there will be another one. Y'all are quiet. I'm going to tell you in just a minute when it, when, when it will be built. I'll tell you exactly when they're going to build it. And Jesus said, do, do you not see all these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone will be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came privately and said, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign? They want to know the signs of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed, no one deceive you. And we're going we're gonna, to, we'll get to that in just a moment. I want you to, to look at two scriptures first. John 16, 33. Look at John 16, 33, and let's read this. Now, being a born-again Christian, I know that you're concerned about the times we're living in. And I'm going to qualify two statements for you. The things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation. All right, now let's, let's, let me qualify something for you. The rapture of the church was not designed for you to escape trouble. You will go through trouble. You will not go through wrath, but you will have trouble. So and I said that because to me it's a shock for a Christian to come in this church and then to run up to me and go, the devil is after me. And I'm like, okay, whoopee-doo. I'm not trying to be light, but... Um, when you, when, when you men went to boot camp and they gave you a rifle, the reason they gave you a rifle is they're going to send you somewhere where people are going to shoot at you. The reason you have a church is that you're training because when you leave here, someone's going to shoot at you. They're going, the devil is going to give you trouble. As a matter of fact, because you're born again, you are going to have trouble. And the most trouble you will have will be in your home. And some of the women went, amen. Don't say it too loud. You'll have more in your house than anywhere else. And here's why. When you get on fire for God, you're a light. And all of your family members that are not living for God have decided that if they can shut you up, they won't feel bad. 
because you're bothering, your life is bothering them. You're reading your Bible, you're on fire for God, you're going to prayer meetings, and they're not. So they're going to attack you. Now, if that's not enough, you're going to catch it at work. You're going to catch it everywhere you go. And I want you to get over this mindset that somehow or another, because you're a Christian, there will be no trouble. As a matter of fact, if you're a Christian on fire for God, I promise you, you have increased your trouble. But the greater one lives inside of you, and the reason you have the sword of the Spirit and the greater one in you and the name of Jesus is because you are in a fight. You're in a combat. You're fighting a good fight of faith. And, the, and that's why you go to church. It's why you're here. It's why you're living the way you're living. But I want you to know, he said, I guarantee you trouble. As a matter of fact, he promised you persecution. So the only, the reason for persecution is to shut you up. Some of y'all have made up your mind. You don't want any more persecution, so you're quiet about it. And that's one of the problems we're having in church today is there's too many Christians that have decided the best thing to do is just don't say anything. Well, that's why the world around us is going to hell because nobody ever says anything. And we'll get into that in a minute. So the next thing is Proverbs 3, 25 and 26. Put that on the screen and let's read it. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor trouble from the wicked when it comes. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. For, you, for the Lord will be your confidence and keep your foot from being caught. In other words, in other words if, if you're living in this day, God knows you're living in this day, and he's equipped you. You know, you know there's better Bible teaching. We have... More truth than any generation. Do you know why? You're going to need it. That's right. God didn't give you this truth just so you could be smart. He gave you this truth because you're going to need truth. Because one of the biggest things we're going to see in a minute, the biggest, the number one sign of Jesus' return will be deception. And there's going to be a lot of people, especially even in the church, that's going to be deceived and going to fall away from God. Amen. All right. Now, having said that, I want you to understand that God knows you're living here and he's prepared you and you don't have the right to be full of fear. So let me make one more statement. And I know this is not popular. Get over the fear of dying. Whether you're eight or 80, your life here is short. The fear of dying is what has you in bondage. You remember the little boy Burpo, the little Burpo boy, um, heaven is real. His dad one day was trying to help him. And the little boy was taken off and left the store and ran out in the parking lot. And he said, son, don't do that. He said, why dad? He said, you could die. And he went and go to heaven. And he said, that's right. And he goes, cool. How do you, how do you warn a kid about dying when he thinks dying's cool? I want y'all to think that dying's cool. I knew that would go over real well. <laughs> I have people that say, well, I don't want to go to Israel. I could die. I want to tell you something. You can die. You're gonna, you know the guy that was the sniper dude? His wife didn't want him to go back to Iraq because he could die. He died in Texas. <laughs> so I'm going to help you all with Israel for just a moment. They're lobbing the bombs up from Syria into the Golan. 
They're not shooting rockets. They're just the little, little bombies. And down in the West Bank. So if you come to Florida and you don't want to die, stay out of Jacksonville and Miami. Listen, it's safe. Israel is safe. And I'll show you in a minute how to know when the war is going to begin. There will be a war. It will be very soon. And I'm going to show you from the Bible how to know that. Okay? So you've got to get over fear of dying. Some... A, a lady not too long ago says, I don't want to go to Israel. It's dangerous. She's 85. And I went. Yeah, you, you don't have much longer anyway, sweetie. You just, you know, never mind. <laughs> I think the older we get, the more precious time becomes. I've gotten to the place where I don't waste time doing stupid things anymore. I did when I was young. I I don't want to be 20 again. God, I don't want to be 20 again. I want my body back. I want my hair back, but I don't want to go through. I don't want to go through those days ever again. Gig. Man, was I ignorant as a rock. I didn't say anything about y'all being ignorant as a rock, but I just, all right, go to Ezekiel 38. Let's talk about the war. Let's talk about something that will happen very soon. And all this is is an introduction. I ain't even gotten to my sermon yet. But, but, but Ezekiel 38. This war. All right. When are they going to build the temple back? Right now, the Muslims control the temple mount. Now, if you're Muslim, I want you to understand something. God loves Muslims. I know that shocks you. God loves everybody. There are Christians in Iraq. There are Christians in Iran. There are Christians in Turkey. You know, so we're not anti any group of people. But, but right now, the Muslims are controlling the Temple Mount, and the, Jeru- and the Jews don't want to start a war. But there is a war coming, and it will be started, and we'll see that in just a minute. When that happens... It'll be in our day. They will take the Temple Mount back. Because after they've already fought their war, the rest of this world is going to quit screaming about how mean the Jews are. There's going to be a lot of dead people laying in the Valley of Megiddo. A lot of dead people. And they're going to go in and take the Temple Mount, and they will build the Temple back. And when they dedicate it, start your clocks. Jewish time will start again. I don't have time to do this right now, today. I will if you guys want me to. But in the book of Daniel, there's a prophecy that says 70 weeks are determined for your people. That's the Jewish nation. The Messiah will be cut off in 69 weeks. So when Jesus rose from the dead, Jewish time ended. Gentile time began and J- Jewish time will begin again in the Temple Mount when the temple's built back. There are seven years of Jewish time. There's no such thing as a seven-year tribulation period. It do- it's not in your Bible anywhere. There is a three-and-a-half-year tribulation period, and you don't want to be here. 
okay? So I don't know whether I get time to do that. I just wanted y'all to understand that. So when you, when you see the abomination of the desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel dedicating the temple, I want you to understand, go home and take your calendar and go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and Jesus will return. See, he said we wouldn't know the day or the hour, but he did not say you would know the season. I know fall's coming, not in Florida. But for everybody else, I know when fall is coming, especially in Boston. 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 I get it right. I should learn to talk like y'all. <laughs> I got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I do. I do. I just don't think I can do it. So Ezekiel 38, let's read. The word of the Lord came and says, Son of man, set your face against Gog and the land of Magog and the prince of Rosh, Meshach, Tubal, and prophesy against him. It's a person. And say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I'm going to turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all of your army, horses, horsemen, all splendidly clothed with a great company, buckler shields, and all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all of his troops are the house of Tomagara, Togarma, from the far north, that's Turkey. And many peoples are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. For after many days you will be visited. In the latter years, that's now, you will be come into a land who, of who brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel. That happened in 1948. Do you all see that? 1948, when Israel became a nation, God brought the Jews back from the earth. Now, I don't know how long you call a Jewish generation, but do the math. Some people say 52 years. Some people say 70 years. Whatever you want to call it, the clock's ticking. Now, the next thing that will happen, and I, I read that because I wanted you to see something. You don't have to be afraid of going to Israel because it's not going to start with a bomb being slung over the border. It's going to start with an army that's going to gather north of Israel to come into Israel. And the reason they're going to bring an army and not bomb them is because they want the food and the oil. Are y'all thinking? Okay. So when y'all go to Israel with me, don't go, oh, we could be bombed. You're not going to get bombed. You're going to be fine. Now, let me, let me share with you something, and I can't tell you how I know this. I'm just going to share with you. The Jews are preparing for war right now. And they say this, not if, but when. Now, for your sake, the Jewish nation is technologically very, very advanced. The, the average Arab... The, their guns are even rusted. I mean, the average Arab warfare-wise is like fighting cavemen. I don't, I don't mean to be vulgar. Compared to the, to the Israeli army. There is places in Israel where the, there's people watching everything that happens in Syria, 
in Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan on, on computers. They're, the girls watch them eight hours a day, and then they get off a shift. I mean, when you, when you get out of a vehicle with a bomb in your hand, they see it. They know, the, they know the warehouses. They know where the tunnels are. They know where the people are. They know, they know all of that. Does this help y'all? So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to explain something to y'all, and I hope this kind of helps you with your mind a little bit. When the Arabs sling a bomb over, the Jews use that as an excuse to blow up a tunnel that they've been watching them build for 12 years. We say, why are they waiting so late? Because they want them to run out of money. They want to use all your money, and right before they open it, they bomb it. So they're not, they're not caught off guard. They know where everybody lives, where the bombs are being made, where the Ukrainian, where, where the uranium's being enriched, and they're not going to let them build a bomb. So someday on the news, we're going to hear they went up and kicked somebody's backside. Okay. You just know this is going to happen. Somewhere, Ezekiel 38 is going to happen where Russia, Turkey, Syria, Iran, Lebanon are coming down against Israel. And it says, it says the lions and the young lions are going to say, the lions is, is, is Europe, the young lions is America, are going to say, have you come down for spoil? Now, why it doesn't say anything about us being involved in, that, in this war. We may be, we may not be. A lot of that has to do with the climate of America and what happens in our elections, whether our government is pro-Israel or not. Now, I'm not here to tell you how to vote. Don't vote for the person you think is cute. Trump ain't cute. You've got to vote the most pro-Israel the, I didn't say the, the president is not a pastor. Quit trying to make him one. He's not. You've got to vote the most pro-Israel, pro-Bible, pro-godly president and keep him in office. I am aware that Washington is corrupt. Hello? All right. But you cannot add to the trouble by pulling out of Israel. All that's going to do is cause God to judge America. All right, now let's talk about judgment for a minute. God is not going to allow what's going on this earth to happen. The Holy Spirit is holding judgment back. Now, people have said, is God judging America? Oh, no, he's not. But he is holding... Listen, this nation deserves judgment. You better believe it does. You don't murder that many innocent babies without the judgment of God falling. All right. You do not parade sex sins in America without judgment. But God, for your sake and the gospels, is withholding judgment. Don't think it's a license. There will come a day when God will say, that's it. And this kind of stuff we're watching, it is not going to go on forever. Satan is a rebel. 
I mean, I want you all to understand this. When you see rebellion, you're watching a demonic activity. Even when you see it in church. You've got to start learning to spot demonic activity. There are things that go on in churches, they're not okay. The spirit of rebellion is working in this nation. And when people rebel against God, don't look and say, they're not Christians. There's no such thing as a Christian devil. Lucifer will not be getting saved anytime soon. And neither his kids. You come out of the world and you come into the kingdom and you come under Jesus or you're not going to heaven. So don't, 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 don't get confused about all of this. All right, having said all of that, are you all ready for me to start my sermon? Yeah. <laughs> Revelation 9, 12, and I messed up last time and I didn't go in my office and fix this. So let me go see if I can find it. I, I, don't, I don't know about the rapture and all of that, but I am going to tell you that we will leave before wrath. Uh, let me see if I can find it. I may not find it here today. I may have to find another day. But whenever you hear that wrath is coming, you can bet your sweet bippy. Yeah, it's 6, 6, mm, 17. The great day of his wrath has come. Who's able to stand? God has not appointed the church to wrath. And you're not going to be here during wrath. So having said that, but you will be here during trouble. So you need to get ready. Now, I need some of you military guys to help me out a little bit. The reason you go to boot camp is so you don't die in battle. You need to learn things like uh, follow orders. Help me, Joselito. Follow orders. I understand that some of y'all have a hard time with authority. When you were born, you were born into a home with authority. You came into a government with authority and you walked into a church with authority. There will be authority in heaven, on the earth, and even in hell. You're not escaping it. There will always be somebody over you I'm trying to help y'all a little bit. The, the reason I say this is I was talking to a Baptist preacher the other day who used to be a Marine. And he said, I knew that when I joined the Marine Corps, I had a choice to join or not. But when I joined, I knew that they would own me. Right? You had a choice to get saved or not. But when you got born again, Jesus owns you. Amen. He has a right to tell you what you're doing and not doing. Amen. I know that sounds like a new, oh, he is love. Yeah, he is love, but he's still good daddy. Yeah. And I love my kids and I told them what to do too. And if they didn't, I didn't explain myself. <laughs> why? That's why. All right. Is this too deep for y'all? Go to Matthew 24. We'll begin my sermon. Back to Matthew 24 again. 
All that was was just an intro. The signs of Jesus' return in verse 4, he said, answered and said to him, this is the number one sign, take heed, no one deceive you. The biggest sign and one of the biggest issues we're going to face in the days ahead is deception. That means, now, now it says, it, it, when, it, when the Bible talks about deception, you are responsible whether you get deceived or not. Right. There's, nobody's going to deceive you without you allowing it to happen. Amen. If you're ignorant, you're ignorant on purpose. Jesus said, beware lest they deceive you. What that means is there is going to be an enormous amount of deception in, in the earth and in the body of Christ. Now, I know y'all didn't think that, but it is. Now, we'll get into this word in a minute. When it talks about false prophets, we're not talking about guys running around with robes eating honey. And standing on the street corner screaming hellfire and damnation. A false prophet is only a person, how sweet they are, who's not telling you the truth. Now listen, listen to me very carefully. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The pastor's job, the apostle, prophet, I'm talking the real ones. The real apostles, the real prophets the real pastors, the real teachers are going to tell you truth. That truth will set you free, but you might not like it. Now, I'm, I want to explain to you because there's, there are two churches in America emerging. There are progressive churches, and then there are Jesus' church. And do you know the difference? Do you know when you're in one, that's wrong? Because I'm going to guarantee you on the outside, it's pretty. And it's sweet. And the pastor is really nice. And you'll go home and you will be, you'll go in comfortable and you'll come out comfortable. You'll also go to hell, but you'll be comfortable on your way. So Jesus warned us the very first sign would be mass deception in the earth. Now, why is that? And I'm going to read again, again, from my Baptist periodical. And I asked the earlier people, is it okay to read a Baptist magazine in this church? Yes, Are Baptist okay people? Yes. I'm going to tell you something about the Baptist right now. Thank God for the Baptist. They are leading the war on, against progressivism and against sin in this nation. I've seen more Baptist pastors jump on board and jump on this mess than, than even charismatics. When you have a tongue-talking, devil-chasing, holy-rolling, charismatic pastor agreeing with homosexuality, you have a real problem. All right, now, I understand, people are people. When you come out, listen, so let me, let me explain something to you about sin. I had a woman came to this church many years and years ago. She said, you preaching on abortion makes me uncomfortable because I aborted a baby. And I, and I wrote her back an email and I said, sweetheart, thank you for your concerns. I really appreciate it. I understand that it's painful 
for you to hear what you did was murder. But I have a whole congregation of girls that don't need to follow in your footsteps. So I'm going to warn them, and you're going to have to get your Bible out and realize that you're washed in the blood, and it pains you that you did it, but it's under the blood. I'm not going to stop preaching on abortion because you are uncomfortable. If you, if you came out of a bad lifestyle, we think you came out. If you came out, you're out. So you should be excited that we're dealing with it. Now understand that, that all of us came out of something. I was telling Lisa a story um, last night because every once in a while I think of stuff I did and I never told her. Pre-Jesus. And I was downtown Athens and I needed to get home so I called a taxi cab. And I was 11. And I had him drop me off at the neighbor's house and I told the cab driver I was going to go in and get some money from my mom and I ran around back down through the woods and went to my house. I never called a taxi cab driver. I stole. I lied to him and stole. But I came out of that. I'm not a, I don't do that now. As a matter of fact, I've repented so much if he was still alive, I'd go give him his money back. I'd feel so bad about it. But understand something, if we came out of a lifestyle, we're going to preach on lifestyles. It doesn't mean we're attacking you. Get, so just love it and go, hey, praise the name of Jesus. We don't need to get involved in all this stuff. But it's here and it's being pushed. Okay. I'm going to read something to you from this Baptist magazine. I want you to listen. This magazine, has uh, it's, it's Billy Graham's. Billy Graham's not here anymore, but um, I think Franklin has picked this up. It's Decision Magazine. I, got, I stole this from my daughter, Che. And she'll probably never get it back because it's mine now. I want, I want to read this because this is very, I want, if you don't realize this is going on, you're just going to be in the dark. All right. It says, progressive Christianity is a brand new form of Christianity that's in the world today. And if you don't know this, you're going to hear it and go, that sounds really sweet. Progressive Christianity, as it has been called, the core values of this movement have little or nothing to do with sin. They don't preach on sin. It causes people uncomfortable. The power of the cross, heaven or hell, the deity of Christ, or the authority of the word of God. Rather, their focus, listen, is on the universal love of God. God is love. And he is. Social justice. Let's talk about this for a moment. Jesus did not come to start social justice. Not in the Bible. As a Christian, do not get involved in social justice. You're not going to fix the bad stuff that happened to anybody. There's been bad things happen to people all over this earth. So I'm going to ask you a question. Tell me what good it is to feed a man that dies and goes to hell. I'm not saying we shouldn't help the poor. Don't say I said that. I didn't say that. But if he's headed to hell, number one, the reason that a, they're under the curse of the law, they're under damnation because they're not saved. And if they're saved, show them how to believe God 
tithe, obey God, and come out of poverty. You don't owe them food. Now, I'm not saying we don't feed the poor. I didn't say that. There's a time to feed the poor so that you can get your foot in the door and get them born again. This, 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 the Baptist church here in town has got a feeding program. They do on Monday night, but everybody that comes in is hearing the gospel. And I was talking to him the other day, and he said, we refuse to allow them to stay the way they are. They come in and want help. We're going to show you how to get a job. We're going to bathe you. We're going to give you a haircut. We're going to feed you. But when we're done with you, you're going to learn how to get back into society right. Now, that's why this should be done by the church. But don't get involved in government social programs that won't let you mention Jesus. Get out of that mess. They came to Jesus one time and says, make my brother give me what he owes me. He said, who made me ruler over you? Stay out of fights. Good Lord. This is, being, this is being pushed as Christian now. It's not Christian. Again, you know, uh, John, James Robinson doing wells in Africa. I agree with that. These kids have no water. They have no food. You don't need to go in there and tell them about Jesus and they're, they're, they're dying of starvation. Feed them. But if that's all you're doing, you haven't done anything. And the, and, the, and the government right now is very involved in helping people. But they, have, they, they have no way of getting them born again or get them washed in the blood. As a matter of fact, don't even mention it. That's why the church has to pick this up. So I said all of that. Please excuse me. For, and approved of various lifestyles with no regard to adherence to biblical truth, so-called progressive Christianity is simply another term that allows each person to do what is right in their own eyes. That's not Christianity. All right. Progressive Christianity is simply another name for theological liberalism, and it's a company permissive lifestyle that ignores God's call to holiness and obedience. There's really nothing progressive about it other than an increasing slide into sin and disobedience. We can never allow someone else to redefine orthodox Christian faith according to their terms. It is a different gospel, which is not a gospel at all. Now, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it on the news. The Bible says that the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, they have itching ears and heap to themselves teachers and turn their ears from truth and turn aside to fables. Now, having said that, let me help you with something. There's a church, and I, all I know, this one's in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's a big church, and they're a very, uh, love, very lo- loving, loving church who allows everybody to come in and live any way they want to live, and they don't mention sin, they don't mention live right, and they're hoping that over the period of six, eight months, maybe two or three or four years, you'll get saved. In the meantime, those people are around your kids and the kids are coming out messed up. Now I was talking to my grandson the other day, Cody Stapleton, and him and I were talking about a a man and his wife who left this church because, um, I think I'm a little, little, little too strong. And now they're in a, in a nicer church. And their daughter has a girlfriend. And she's in church every Sunday, and she's a Christian. And she's, and she's, and she's going to hell. I don't care. I don't care. 
folks, that's not okay. You, you've got to learn that the church is, I will build my church. We do not get to adjust the book. People say, Pastor, you said, and I go, I was reading. This book's pretty strong. Jesus is strong. Okay? When you come to Jesus, you come out of sin to Jesus. You come out of sin. You're not a sinner. Come out of it. Put it aside. Stop it. Now, if you mess up, thank God for 1 John 1, 9. But, but, but understand something. If you let a pig in your house, he will not stay in the kitchen. You do not have a pet devil. You get rid of all devils. And I assume it when you come in here. I'm shocked, but I'm assuming you gave Jesus, he made him Lord of your life. If not, we'll get you saved. This church, we grow Christians. That's what I do. I grow Christians. I'm getting you ready for the fight and for life and heaven. And that's my job. And I'm going to do my job. Okay. Now I'm going to finish reading some more. Y'all ready? I'm going to anyway, so say amen. Amen. Thank God for the Baptist. Moeller told Decision Magazine, it is tempting as it is for otherwise biblically faithful Christians to seek a middle ground with the prevailing culture's moral positions, most notably on sexual ethics. Such a notion is incongruent with faithful reading of Scripture. Now, let me make a statement to you right now. There's a new, the movies that are being made now, it is a law that there has to be a homosexual in every new movie. Now, here's where it began, and I'm saying this, and I want you all to understand something. When we had a race problem in America, the black people in this nation were, pre- were judged for the color of their skin. That was wrong. We went through a culture war, and it needed to change. But, but if you're gay... God did not make you gay. Black people are black because God made them black. And God did not make a mistake when he made someone black. If you've ever been around cultures, you're going to understand that every culture on this earth has a powerful strength. And when you recognize that God put cultures here because we need each other. Now, I'm going to mention one. Where would basketball be without black folk? We'd have to lower the hoop. Come on, y'all guys. Help me out a little bit. Come on, y'all. But what happened is we had a whole group of people who decided that their sexual preferences were something they had no control over. That's where they came up with this, God made me that way. And like one preacher said, well, then if you're born that way, get born again. 
Now, contrary to what y'all think, I used to be a sinner, and I understand testosterone and being 20. But God did make me that way. I liked girls. But he also told me, curb it until you're married. So girls, let me help you with this. When a boy says, if you love me, let me. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't go off on. I want you to say, I will. Put a ring on my finger and give me your last name and buy me a house and you become responsible. And I'll let you. Sex is not wrong. Even the Chevrolet dealership is not going to let you take the vet home. Say, there are, there's no test driving. And I want two carat. Get, go up. No, I'm thinking. No, no. Wait, wait, wait. After a while, it starts flipping upside down on your hand. You know, it starts hitting everything. What is the one? FF what? Tell me the numbers. The. Oh, man. B, B, No, E, no. E, F. Flawless. Flawless. Uh, there, was a, there was a diamond guy came to the house, and, and he threw one flawless diamond in, and my wife spotted it. <laughs> and I mean, I ain't talking about 5,000. I mean, I'm talking, it wasn't flawless. yeah, way, I'm going. And I, I said, I said, why'd you bring that in here? He said, well, I wanted her to see it. And I said, why did you, we should have talked. <laughs> I mean, she she saw flawless with the naked eye. I mean, there were big diamonds there with, they weren't perfect, but you had to have a loop. I mean, who carries a loop around? Honey, that big one right there is half as much. No, I want that one. Yeah, guess which one we left with that day. Amen. Flawless. Yeah, well, she got a flawless husband. She thought maybe she should have a flawless diamond. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you mad, but that's all right. Some lady was telling me what to do the other day, and I said, I'm married. Some of y'all will get it later. You're going, what, what did he mean by that? I got one telling me what to do. I don't need two. <laughs> when you get married, marry your best friend. Amen. Lisa and I, we, honest to God, 99% of the time, she's great. But, uh, but me and God are still praying. Now listen, listen to these statements, and I want to read to you. Um, this is an article called Five Signs Your Church is Heading Towards Progressive Christianity. I'm not going to read all of it to you. And here's comments that are said. The Bible verse does not um, resonate with me. I thought homosexuality was a sin until I befriended some gay people. Now, there, I'm going to tell you something. I've met some gay people who are nice. That doesn't mean that what they're doing is okay. I've met some guys that are in adultery, and they're nice too. I met some girls really pretty, but that don't mean, okay? All right. 
Now listen to this statement. I can't believe Jesus would ever send good people to hell. Now, now, now let's think like a sinner for a minute. That, that's, I mean, that sounds reasonable, doesn't it? I mean, a, he's a good God. He's love. I don't think he'd send people to hell. I just don't think God sent anybody to hell. Yeah, he will too. The, the goodness and severity of God. We're not, we, we stopped preaching the judgment of God because it stopped being popular. But I, I'm going to make some statements right now. Condemnation is when they take you and kick you out of, the, of America. Judgment is when they give you a ticket for speeding. God will judge you as a Christian. He will not condemn you. Jesus took the condemnation. But if, but if you're speeding, he'll give you a ticket. So as a Christian, God will judge you to get you to stop. After a while, he'll let you eat it. Now, as a parent, there's been times when I've told Lisa, get your hands off of it, let them eat it. Let the boys eat it. They did something stupid, let them, let them pay it. And they won't do it again. And they stopped. Amen? You think God's that good? Yes, he is. And we need, someday we need to really get into this word judgment because it's not the booger people have thought it was. But sometimes preachers interchange the two words and it causes confusion. I don't like it. Okay. All right, listen. The resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus does not have to be factual in order to speak truth. The church's historic position on sexuality is archaic and it needs to be updated within a new modern framework. The idea of a literal hell is offensive to non-Christian and needs to be reinterpreted. This is things that people are saying. And you'll hear it in church. Another word that tends to get a progressive makeover is the word love. When plucked out of its Bible context, it becomes a catch-all term for everything pleasant, affirming, and non-confrontive. That's not love. If you think I'm lying, go back to your, your, as being a parent, your home life with your own children. If, if you've not had, if you've not raised sand in your own house, you don't love your kids. My, my parents had rules and you didn't break them. Now I'm going to tell the story again and I know that y'all want to hear it. But when my teenage years came, uh, my mother came in the bedroom one day and she brought a belt in and she was hitting me with it. And I didn't feel squat. I just, and I made a comment, when you're done, old woman. <laughs> Close the door on your way out. I wish to God I had never uttered those words. My mother was a redhead. I had a whip on the wall that said six flags over Texas on it. And she got, put the belt down and got the bull whip. And unbeknownst to me, she had actually practiced with one. And I wasn't dancing in the spirit. And honest to God, that I was, she said to me, before I leave this room, you will be crying. And she, and I did. I was begging to die. 
That woman abused me. She beat the holy mud out of me. She tore my, she tore my backside up. And from that day forward, her name was ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Brand new level of respect entered the house. But you know what? I needed it. I'm going to tell you another story. I just need to do this. We got to do this. When I got in jail for a theft by receiving, what that means is I knew about a crime. Someone had stolen some stuff from a friend of mine, and I went in and took it and threw it out back and told the cops that I did it. I, at the where, was unaware that, a, that knowing about a crime was a crime and not reporting it. And I, I knew about a crime, but didn't report it. So they locked me up, fingerprinted me, locked me up, and put me in jail. When I called my dad, he said, you got in, get out. Now, that angered me. I mean, don't you care? My, my stepmother said to me later, when he hung up the phone, he cried like a baby. He said, I can't get him out because it, he will go back. I've got to let him eat it. And I ate it. And I never went back. So the next time the dogs were chasing me, I didn't learn my lesson. I was having a prayer meeting with God. And the next Sunday I was in church. So ramifications are not bad. Some of y'all's kids need some ramifications. All right. Another word that tends to get progressive makeovers love when it's plucked out of the biblical tante, it becomes a catch-all. It means everything pleasant, affirming, and non-confronting. That's not the love of God. There is a heaven, there is a hell. God would not punish, punish sinners. He is love. Sure, the Bible is authoritative, but we misunderstood it for 2,000 years. It's not our job to talk to anyone about sin. It's our job to love them. Are y'all out there? Now, there, now, let me tell you something. There, I know people right now that have family members. They've never talked to them about Jesus. And every time they get together, they just love on them and love on them. They're going to hell. If you love them, you need to sit down and open up a Bible and say, we, we need to have a talk. Well, what if they get angry? Okay, that's fine. Are you all out there? Did you go home? Sin does not separate us from God. We're made in his image and, and he called us good. No, he did not. These people don't read the Bible. God did not actually require a sacrifice for sins. The first Christians picked up on that pagan practice of animal sacrifice and told the Jesus story in similar terms. We don't really need to preach the gospel. All we need to do is love people and bring justice to the oppressed. This is the new church. This is in America. We should not be surprised to find some of these ideas infiltrating our churches. Jesus warned us, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves, Matthew 7, 15. If you spot these things, it's a danger sign in your place of worship, and it might be time for you to pray about finding another church. Now, I said all of that today because, because, because we're down-dumbing the gospel. I'm going to read one more from um, um, William Booth. I consider that the chief danger that will confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, 
Forgiveness without repentance and salvation without regeneration. Politics without God and heaven without a hell. Now we're in the middle of this, folks. Now listen to me. I don't know what time is it. We're doing good. Jesus told us, go to Isaiah 60 and we're going to begin closing. Jesus made a statement that in the days you're living in, the biggest issue you're going to face is deception. It is everywhere right now. Some of you are getting your Bible from ABC, NBC, and CBS. Stop it. A heathen does not know God. And the next time Larry King has someone on, tell them to call me. Some of y'all didn't get that. The last guy they had on there said, everybody has their way of finding God. No, they don't. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody, I mean nobody, is, gets to get to Jesus, gets to heaven without Jesus Christ. All right, now let me show you the last day's church in your Bible. And I want you to not forget this. Isaiah 60, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Two churches are emerging in the earth. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ and another church, another gospel. The other one looks similar. The, Catholic, the Pope, the new Pope said, you don't need Jesus, you just need to be a Catholic. The new Pope, the new Pope. Now, I'm not anti-Catholicism because there are Christians who are saved. They are saved. The, the new Pope said, all religions will get you to heaven. How many people do you think are listening to that? There's a lot of people listening to that. And they're going to go to hell. Do you have a Bible? You might want to read your own Bible. All right, now let me show you this in your Bible so you can see this. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. And deep darkness the people. Is it coming? You better believe it. Is it going to get worse? Actually, it is. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you all to listen to me very carefully. You people who are lukewarm, you're not doing good now. Ten years from now, you're going to be in a real mess. There's only one way to make it, full bore. You're going, you need to go full bore now. It's Jesus or nothing. What do you think you're going to do when you get to heaven? Be lukewarm? I don't want to go to the throne room right now. I mean, I went yesterday. I mean, my God, what's he want with me over there now? I don't think so. I just think you talk about Jesus too much. (laughs) What kind of statement is that? I just think you spend too much time with your wife. I like spending time with my wife. I want y'all to imagine me going out to dinner and going, how much longer we got to be here? And she would say, 
We can go home now, honey. Behold, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you. His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, that's the lost people, shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift your eyes all around and see they shall gather and come to you. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters will be nursed at your side. And you'll see and become radiant and your heart will swell with joy because the abundance of the sea, that's people, will be turned to you. And the wealth, that's money, of the Gentile will come to you and the multitude of camels will cover your land. He's talking about the last day's church right here. He's talking about there is a church that's rising up out of the earth that the glory of God will settle on that church and those people will be full of God. Now, Smith Wigglesworth, and I, please forgive me if I got it wrong, it's either Smith Wigglesworth or one of these guys prophesied that before the Lord Jesus returns, there will be Christians who will walk in hospitals and empty them. I had a vision of this church when we were in the old building. I'm going to tell you about it now. Um, we, were in, we were in either this building or the one we're going to build, but we were over here. We weren't in the shopping center. And there was a Sunday morning service where the, where the Shekinah glory came in the building, just came in. And we were here on the floor before God for a while. And when the people in this church, it was, our, it was my church, got up and walked out of the building, they walked into Walmart, and everybody they walked by fell out in the power and got healed. Wow. Everywhere they went, people fell and repented of sin. And the Lord showed me the future of this church. I haven't seen that yet, but I'll guarantee you we are going to see it. Amen. I believe that the, the train tracks, that as the world gets darker, the church will become brighter at the same time. I, I believe that both of them are happening side by side. We're seeing more of a fire in the church than we have ever seen, especially with this younger generation. We're also seeing people that are falling away and becoming more corrupt than we have ever seen before and flaunting it and proud of it. We're going to see more of that. I think persecution is going to increase, but I also think the glory of God is going to increase on the church. Why? Because you're going to need it. We're going to see the book of Acts again. We're going to see a church rising up, and it's not the numbers. It will not be thousands of people, but we're going to see churches, pockets of believers. David Wilkerson said he saw the last days, and he saw the fire of God hit certain churches in certain cities where the anointing hit and the fire hit, and those people became literally aflame. I believe we're destined to be one of those churches. Amen. I'm praying that you're in agreement with that. Now, does that mean we need to make adjustments? Yeah, it might mean some adjustments. All right. Now, we're, now we're definitely living. We're living in the last days. There are things you and I need to start thinking about. We will see Jesus soon. That means that what, the way we lived five years ago, ten years ago, is not the way we're going to live now. We're going, we've got to make some adjustments. 
We're a last days church. We're a last days generation, and we were designed by God to live in the day that we're living in. So the way we did church 10 years ago is not going to work anymore. That, now, the, uh, here's why I'm doing this. Because there's going to be times, and we already took the clock off the wall. It's 11 minutes after. But I'm saying this with grace. We may or may not stop at Baptist o'clock. You can't. You're not going to set your watch when you come to church. We're going to come in here and we're going to spend time worshiping God. We're going to hear what the Lord is having to say to us. And we're going to start taking this very serious. Amen? Now, the only way you have of not being deceived is you're going to have to have a diet of this. This will bring correction to, to our lives. You're not going to read this and then live like the devil. I'll guarantee you that. And I don't know where you are. I am believing God for people saved every week. People coming back to, to God every week. People filled with the Holy Ghost every week and people healed. And I'm not talking about just because we lay hands on you. I'm just talking about you coming to church and going home healed because you were in church. I'm believing God for a greater manifestations of God than I have ever seen in my life. I, I want you to go with me there. I can't do this by myself. And we are in the last days, anything I can do about it. But I'm 66. And I'm not getting any younger. Now, I'm not so naive to think that I'm going to live to be 150. Kenneth Copeland said 125. But honestly, I don't know if I want to be here. That's, that's my opinion. The way things are going, I'm not sure I want to be here in 50 years. Thank you all for y'all's enthusiasm. God bless the elderly. But if I'm going to live my life, I'm going to live it in such a way that I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to ask that you take this and, and, and take this attitude yourself, please. I cannot make you live right. I can't make you seek God. I can't make you grow. That's something you got to do on your own. I'm going to ask that not one of you fall all the way from God. Don't do it. Life is too short for you to play games now. Amen? This is, this is pretty rough times we're in. But the greater one's in us, right? Okay. You have a choice whether you're deceived or not. You have a choice. When I was born again, I was saved in Athens, Georgia. You know how many churches in town were on fire for God? None. I grew in God without a church. And God fed me. The church in Doraville, Georgia, was lady was giving me books. You, you, you can grow in God without a church. But you have one. I love every one of y'all. I think this is the, in one sense, this is the toughest job there is on this planet. Because I have to preach good sermons and I have to preach strong sermons. Get misunderstood get my personality out of the way <laughs> and pray for you guys every day of my life. I spent all day Saturday praying for just this service, just, just this service. 
so that I'll say it right, you'll hear it right, and you'll grow. I've seen many of you just grow in leaps and bounds. Yeah, just so excited to watch y'all. But I've also seen people get up and walk right out the door. And I, and, I, and I pray for them. I don't stop praying. I don't have any condemnation in my heart. In a minute, Lisa will get up and give an altar call. If you need prayer, get up here. Amen. I want everybody to say this. I will grow in the Lord. I will not be deceived. I will read my Bible. And I will walk with God. And I will be ready when Jesus returns. Nothing that happens on this earth is going to take me out. I am prepared for it. I'm equipped for it. And God is on my side. Amen. Father God, thank you for this morning. I have taken the message you gave me and I've done, I've done the best I can with it. Now I'm going to have to rely on you. I pray over everybody in this room right now. We're living in a, in a tough time in history. The devil is full bore, doing everything in his power to drag people into hell and destroy your church. I'm praying that he doesn't destroy anybody in the sound of my voice. That everybody in this room right now and everybody in the sound of my voice will make heaven and walk with you and live for you all of the days of their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.